Yay! Welcome everybody to Shaman Sister Sef Shaman Sister Sessions. You think I'd be better at saying it by now? Episode twenty-one. Yes, twenty-one, where we are joined by special guest Deshna Ubeda. Shaman Sister Sessions is our uh, mine and Catherine Bird's offering to the world. I'm Michelle Hawk, and together we are the Shaman Sisters, and it is our great joy to welcome Deshna here with us today. Deshna is the master facilitator behind Embrace Festival, a conscious gathering focused on tribal uh, supporting global tribe in awakening and exploring sacred oneness. Embrace Festival is coming up the first weekend in May, May 4 through 6, which is actually Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And together we will be enjoying a wonderful lineup of amazing speakers, some featured presenters, breakout workshops, music, and creating community, sacred community, and social evolution. So please join us in welcoming Deshna. Thank you so much for being here today. It's a great pleasure to have you. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Yeah. So I know that uh, we'll be speaking somewhat about Embrace Festival today, but really the core of that is the vision of sacred community and social evolution. And I know that you have some extensive experience working in a variety of fields, a variety of capacities around this. What, how did that come into your life and how are you living that? What, is, what does that mean to you exactly? Okay, well, um, starting with kind of what sacred community means to me, I would say, um, I would say that it's a, it's um, a community where you feel connected to others at a deep level. And you also feel connected to the sacred, to the holy, to the mystery, whatever um, that is to you, your deeper self, your higher self, God, whatever that is for you. Um, you experience awe, wonder, a sense of reverence. The sacred is infused into everything that's, you know, happening in the community. Um, and yeah, I would say that the main thing is where you can show up as your authentic self and be seen for who you are and where you can bring your kind of unique, your unique skills and creative energy. Is my, is it sounding weird? There's a slight echo back, but we can hear you fairly clearly. Okay. And viewers let us know if there's any, uh, any audio problems, but, and uh, thank you so much, Deshna. And uh, in our, the course of our episodes, we did, Kat, I think it was even our first episode that we talked about building sacred community, right? What? Because what we see is that this is such a vital, important uh, aspect of the awakening and as people start to awaken and express themselves to own their gifts to uh, see their place uh, on the planet and their offerings and then also start to really explore their own individual uh, divinity and, and connection to source and what that is that the the first thing one that becomes really an issue is this element of community and how so many people feel very lost and alone, especially when they first start having an awakening process or coming into their gifts or expressing and telling people that they have certain gifts. And that uh, when we start developing our own sacred communities, wherever we are, or plugging into ones that are already in effect in different places, then we get, as you said, we get that permission. We have permission to be who we are and to be the full expression of who we are. And in that we are encouraged and we're held <clears throat> and we start to feel more safe in the world in so many different ways. So we're really excited to have you because this is such an important topic and just really vital for all of us to be contributing and, and being a part of. Mm -hmm. Agreed. <laughs> Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah, that was so well said. Thank you for expressing it that way. Mm -hmm. I know all of us have had some of our own journeys and viewers, I'm sure you can relate. Too, just looking at who's watching here, I, 
Yes, I know. Discovering sacred community and discovering connections, medicine, family. So Deshna, I'm kind of curious, how has that manifested for you personally? What has your trajectory been like in unfolding this for yourself and then doing the amazing work that you're doing to then offer it out into the world for others? So I think like most people, it's been this kind of windy journey that I'm still on. I don't feel like I have this perfect sacred community in my life. Um, I don't think that our current culture and society systems really um, support it very well or, um, you know, encourage the growth or, um, you know, the creation of sacred community. I think it's, I think it's really challenging in today's world. Um, you know, we have so much um, just commercialization and media influence and we've created a system where we have to be super busy all the time and we're go, go, go. And, you know, even those of us that are entrepreneurs or doing something that we love, we still have to join into that system. Um, and so it's hard and, and, and people move and people break up and people have babies and, you know, lose their jobs and all these different things. So you think you're like, Oh, I found my little group. I found my community. We're doing this. We're, we're meeting on a regular basis. We're holding each other accountable. We're talking about meaningful topics. We're, we're practicing ritual and ceremony together. And then all of a sudden one thing changes and that group is spread open. And all of a sudden you're kind of left feeling alone again, um, you know, in this vast crazy world. So for me, it's been this kind of, you know, just unfolding journey of, um, of learning what that means to me and what um, elements of sacred community are really important to me and which ones I can allow to shift and, you know, flow in and out of my life. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I started off... Um, in a sense, being enveloped in community, and I would call it sacred community. Um, my father was a pastor of a progressive, very progressive, um, liberal Christian church down in Orange County, um, California, which is, you know, a place of general. Um, and so this was this little haven, not only for, you know, my family and I, but also, um, tons of people would come from far away because this was one of the only places within a hundred mile radius where they could be accepted. Wow. Um, yeah. And yes. So we went through early on the process of open and affirming, which means that as a congregation, we voted and we, you know, declared that we are open and affirming of people of all race, religious backgrounds, beliefs, sexual orientation, um, you name it, abilities, you name it. Um, and, and so again, people would come from far away and that also meant that we each got to be our own unique selves, whatever manifestation of that that was, mm -hmm. know that without even knowing that really, um, to show up you know, on a weekly basis and be seen and be held and be cared for and um, encouraged to grow and you know and I think that's a, a really important part of sacred community is you know are we stepping backward in fear or are we stepping forward in growth and sacred community is always encouraging us to step forward in growth even when it's scary even when everything is telling us to like oh never mind I don't want to grow <laughs> you know I don't want to you know face that challenge or let go of that whatever ego thing I'm holding on to or whatever um and so I did, I did get that experience and I just didn't know exactly then that that's what it was, but I had a really rough sixth grade year and looking back, you know, I was so alone in my school, like utterly alone. And yet I had this community that I could show up to every week and it was like, that didn't even, that didn't even exist. You know, that, that experience wasn't even wasn't real. I was very loved and cared for. So, um, you know, that's the other thing is like, you know, going out into our lives, it's, it's challenging. It's hard. You know, life is suffering. I mean, we're in this kind of cycle of, of, um, you know, growth, which can be extremely challenging and, um, learning our lessons, which get harder and harder until you learn them. And, 
you know, and we're in this crazy world system. And um, I think sacred community provides a haven for um, those, you know, when you have those crises moments, you know, and when you are being asked to grow and asked to face something, you know, those people will hold you accountable to that. So, um, yeah, that, that was a big part of my upbringing and who I am. Um, but I wasn't really connected to the religious aspect of it. Um, it you know, I have a, a huge respect for um, Christianity in a lot of ways, especially authentic Christianity. Um, you know, definitely the teachings of Jesus, that, that man that existed, you know, 2,000 years ago-ish, and um, really it changed the world with his teachings. Um, and if you look at kind of those authentic teachings, I, you know, fully admire those. Um, but the institution of Christianity and church and all that didn't really connect to me at a soul level. It wasn't really my soul language. Yeah. Um, so I left and, you know, I, I went to college and I ended up studying religious studies and had an emphasis on Eastern Asian religions and got really interested in Tibetan Buddhism. And the first class I took in Tibetan Buddhism, it was like that, I think that what some people experienced maybe with other religions was like, that's my soul language. That's, mm -hmm. that reaches way back and it's unexplainable. It's, it's, it's those thoughts and feelings that I didn't know how to put words to. And, and someone was saying those things in a intelligent way. Um, and so, you know, that was more of the intellectual, um, spiritual part of my journey. Um, and then just coming back, you know, into adulthood and, and realizing that, you know, I think for probably a lot of people, it's like this dream that you have. And I, I would literally like have dreams or like visions of, of being in the woods and dancing around a fire and dancing with drums and, mm -hmm. you know, being able to be fully alive. And it was like, I knew it was possible, but I, I didn't know where to find it. And I thought that maybe, maybe it wasn't, you know, I questioned whether it was possible in today's world to, to have that kind of, I don't know, that tribal village, you're, you know, you can be fully who you are experience. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, ever since then, I've just been kind of weaving together, um, you know, those aspects, I led intentional community um, with a group of families, and we used a spiritual curriculum that I helped create with the kids, and then we would tie that into our, our, um, our discussion and our lesson and our meditation. Um, and I, you know, tried to create community here in Portland, and, you know, it's, it takes time. It takes time and commitment and and strength and mm -hmm. not being afraid to look at your shadow and and not being afraid to say to the universe like I am ready to grow in this way I am ready for this you know when I moved back to Portland one thing I said very clearly out loud was I am ready for the kind of community um, that will help me reach my highest soul potential and yeah. I got that but that also means heart that also means it's very challenging because if you're going to reach a higher potential you're going to be challenged every step of the way as you grow everything gets harder <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and you're calling in you know it sounds as though you've done a wonderful job of calling in the support to help you reach that and you are also offering others the opportunity to do the same there are so many people out there who are maybe not voicing it out loud in that declaration, but many people who are calling in their soul family, calling in their sacred community, their tribe, and the work that you're doing and the work that, uh, you know, that many of us are doing in the world to create those connections is vital to exactly what you were saying, the fullest expression of the soul mission, the soul purpose. Yeah. And I think that what you're saying, and you, you said it sort of a couple of times in, in different ways, but just about how, you know, we have this huge desire to be in community. We have this huge desire to live in something that's way more like tuning into our tribal heritage and, and sort of a lot more of this core essence of our being. But we've been so conditioned for so many hundreds of years around the way things are and, and the, the progression of how it's ended up with the nuclear families and, and everybody being separate and, and we're all really separate individual people. 
And we yearn so much for this community. And then oftentimes when we find ourselves in community, it really does just the same as in any relationship. It really starts to trigger all of your stuff and your old wounds and your stuff from your childhood and how you feel about yourself and what you feel about community, what you feel about spirit, what you feel about, you know, your, your relationships to women or your relationships to men, your relationships to families, all of these pieces get triggered. And, you know, one of the things that I've seen a lot and heard a lot from people is, um, you know, people are coming from, you know, abusive backgrounds or coming from really hard childhoods or coming from places of addiction or, or whatever it is they're coming from. And then they kind of have this awakening and then they find a community and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is it. The answer to my prayers and everything's going to be fine. And it actually sometimes spins them out even more. They go deeper into their shadow because of what's there. Like, witnessing what's possible brings up like all of your stuff that's like no that's not possible i can't i can't even deal with this yeah. it brings up your mother's stuff and your father's stuff and and all of these pieces and so i think it's a very um intricate uh part of of this process of community building to learn how to support ourselves and learn how to support others as that happens um because then we start judging ourselves like, oh my gosh, I found this thing and I'm not doing it right. I'm not fitting in right. I'm not like, I'm being triggered. So there's something wrong with me and I must be bad or something. So, you know, how we can start to support both ourselves and each other through these super sticky places where sometimes it causes, it causes us to act out in the most like unconscious ways to be to be in, in presence of, of consciousness. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I think that people kind of handle that in a couple of different ways. One is that they just check out. They're like, never mind, this isn't what I thought it was, I'm out of here. <laughs> or, you know, they can kind of do like spiritual bypassing, oh, I'm just gonna focus on the love, I'm just gonna focus mm -hmm. on the positive. But the deeper path is to like really look at ourselves in those moments, you know? And, and not in a way that it's like, you know, victim or, or you know, over-obsessing or over-processing, but just like, wow, I have something coming up that I thought were just because of that old relationship, but guess what? They're showing up here too those pains of wounds um, and we can't do that unless we're really looking at it yeah both of you have mentioned kind of skirted around this word that I really like which is the mirror the reflection and Kat you were mentioning how this shows up we see this in relationship and also you know Deshna where we're provided with the opportunities to have that self-examination of here are people who are showing up consistently. That's one of the things around sacred community is this the regular consistency yeah. of meetings, of gatherings, of whatever. And this is what happens when you see anyone on a consistent basis and there's any kind of intimate connection is that you are reflected. And when you're in sacred community, there's usually a level of consciousness and awareness and vulnerability and intimacy that may or may not be there in your other connections. So it means that the stuff that is reflected, eventually you get deeper and deeper into the layers. Uh, you know, Kat and I, one of the ways that, or actually the way that we really got super close is being in a women's group together. We had known each other for, I don't know, at least a year and a half or maybe a couple of years by that point and been in each other's peripheries for a while, uh, sort of always with this, like, you're an awesome person. I would love to get to know you at some point. And it just never really crossed. And then when we uh, started meeting together in a women's group, it, that was a really beautiful example of sacred community that benefited me enormously. And I'm sure everybody else in the group, we, we had a lot of deep reflections happen. We had triggers come up. We were triggering each other. We were <laughs> processing each other's stuff and helping provide this beautiful, safe container. And then like you mentioned, you know, people moved away or stuff happened and then, you know, the group eventually dissolved. And yet 
there, there is still that community in place in other ways. And the people who come into our lives come in at the perfect time and leave at the perfect time, of course. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Help at the perfect time or the wisdom that comes yeah. to you just when you need it. And I think the community is very similar to that. Yeah. Right. And this show really is like uh, kind of the, the baby, I think, of, of that process that we went through together because just like meeting on that consistent basis week after week, you know, like we, we Michelle and I developed this really deep trust of each other. And, um, you know, the thing about community as in any relationship uh, is that there are going to be times when you just want out. You just like, you're done. You're like, I just, I kind of hate you guys. And <laughs> like, I don't want to feel, I just want to be alone. And just like in our, mm -hmm. our romantic relationships or our familial relationships, you know, at those places where we need to look at ourselves and at those places where we need to somehow figure out how to like rekindle the fire and go back out and dance again and sort of do the things that keep the investment, you know, worthwhile and yummy and fun, uh, which I can imagine is one of the reasons why you've, you know, created this festival, not only for, um, cause the festival culture really gives us that it gives yeah. us that place where we get to like play and have fun and be expressive and come together. Mm -hmm and like love each other up and then hopefully be able to kind of go home and then do some of this more of the work part around continuously, you know, gathering and, and supporting each other. Yeah. I mean, I think um, transformative festivals in particular, and you know, you can kind of define that however you want, but um, I think transformative festivals are focused on radical inclusion and radical self-expression and, you know, healing. Um, there's a lot of space and opportunities. You know, the sacred is sort of infused into everything. There's altars, there's meditative spaces, there's workshops, there's, you know, ways in which you're challenged by what the people are saying. There's musical experiences um, that all support this growth, this self growth. And, you know, I mean, I remember laying in my tent at Beloved and I happened to be on this pathway this one year and I was just taking a break because it can be overwhelming, you know, and I was just taking a break and I was just laying there in my tent and I could hear people walking by. And of course it would like come quietly and then it would be loud and then it would fade off. And like for an entire hour, every single person that walked by was having some like awakening, aha, uh -huh, or life-changing, like, moment in their lives, you know, and I just, it was, like, so, it was so amazing to me, you know, somebody was leaving their job, they finally decided they're going to follow their dreams, or leaving a healthy relationship, or recognizing something about themselves they hadn't been able to acknowledge before, or, you know, had some healing experience with some stranger um, who held them while they sobbed over the loss of their partner or their parent or whatever it is. And um, so I definitely, you know, I wanted to, um, I think our generation and younger generations, they're coming into the world today where these are kind of more normal, you know, Burning Man, 70,000 people go out to the desert every year. So if you're in your twenties, you know, you, you already know, like you already know that that's happening out in the world, that that's an option. And that culture is already infiltrating a lot of communities back in the world and shifting our culture, especially places like Portland and West Coast, East Coast, but, you know, even not. And, um, and, and so, but middle and older generations, they, a lot of them don't even know about these transformative festivals yet. Or they think it's just a big party with a bunch of drugs and drinking out in the desert, and they really have no idea what it is. Or the you know younger generations are already co-creating you know new forms of sacred community, and they're not perfect. I mean, it's a growing, evolving thing, <laughs> of course. Um, but it's, in my opinion, 
far superior to outdated institutional church community, which is what most of the middle and older generations think of when you would say sacred community. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are like, they're over it too. They're, they're like, this isn't relevant. This isn't inspiring me, but I don't have any other option. And if the church dies and it doesn't change and it goes away, then, then you know, younger generations are going to be left in a spiritual vacuum. And they're really sad about that, you know, and a lot of talk in the progressive Christian world is about how the churches are dying. And so one of the things that I, you know, I get to do is, is, you know, go around to different conferences or gatherings and talk about sacred community. And, um, you know, in a recent one, in a lot of research I did, I just kind of came to this conclusion that yes, it's okay. Like, yes, churches are dying. There's not really anything you can do about it. You know, five years ago, I would have given a different talk about the different things you could add to church to maybe draw in younger people so that churches don't die. But I've just come to the conclusion now that it's, it's, it is a, it had a beginning and, and it's having an end. And, you know, I, I encourage people that, that love to go to church, that find meaning, that, that find connectedness at church. I encourage them to be the midwives of that death and to, and to celebrate it, to, to love it through its transition. But also to not, to not feel afraid and, um, you know, very like afraid and concerned about the future because new generations are already creating, you know, these beautiful expressions and, of sacred community. And um, there and is a place for these older generations in that sacred community. Absolutely. I think that's, that's one of the aspects of fear that you were touching upon a little bit is not only the fear that the younger generations will be left in a spiritual vacuum, yeah. which we know is not the case, but also the fear of what place do I have in this yeah. new culture that I don't understand that they didn't grow up with. The, uh, you know, speaking to beloved experience and also being a part of other, uh, other sacred communities, there is absolutely welcoming and, oh, please, please join us elders, this intergenerational building of community. Kat and I were facilitating a, um, a workshop in June at the Sacred Earth Warriors gathering. And there were not many elders there, but there, there, there were a couple there and you could feel that, oh my gosh, this is like begging for it. Please come join us, elders. There's this little tiny kid running around and everybody was just fawning over this little child who, you know, there's this multi-generational component where they are welcome. And so part of, you were speaking of the midwife, midwifing job of the people who still love to go to church, absolutely. It's also part of our job as the creators of this new vision of sacred community to be comfortable taking the initiative yeah. of stepping into this community they don't understand. So to all of our viewers out there and to anyone watching this, please, yeah. you are welcome. Elders are welcome. Anyone of any generation is welcome and deeply held and supported in honor. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that, Michelle. That's a really important message, I feel like, and something I also say. And I think, I think we have some growing to do there. I, I completely understand and, and agree with you. I've been in um, festivals or gatherings where you can tell that, you know, people are so excited. Oh, there's, there's some older people here. Woo, you know, and oh, and there's babies. Yay. But I know from, you know, a lot of the work that I do with, with uh, middle and older generations is that they don't feel seen. Yeah. You know, they can be in a room full of, you know, younger-ish people and feel invisible. And I think that's um, that's a that's a big part of the experience of getting older is that you start to feel less relevant and less visible in the world. And so I agree with you that, you know, this is something that that we need to clearly state, you know, verbally and visually. Um, that that we welcome that we invite that we crave their wisdom of experience that we need that that it's absolutely essential in my mind to sacred community um we have as younger generations you know an innovative very creative you know way of being in the world that can that can open up you know new ideas and new experiences but 
it's nothing without the experience of elders. Yeah. Absolutely. Kat, any thoughts on that? Or you looked like you had a different direction you wanted to go. <laughs> well, I mean, as we're talking about inclusiveness, um, you know, we are, we're in this space where we're, you know, we're seeing so much uh, divisiveness in a lot of in a lot of ways in the world and in our country and and throughout the world, like things on the news constantly. We're hearing about terribly divisive uh, uh, ways of being, um, just like almost you know trying to get us to hate each other, trying to get uh, different communities and religions and, and ethnicities and genders and people to sort of be at war with each other. Um, you know, I guess in some ways it's almost just to keep us distracted from actually you know joining forces and and actually being in these conscious communities. And so, you know, one of the pieces that I think is really vital and important that you already spoke to a little bit is like, how are we now shifting as we shift away from maybe the more standard, uh, you know, churches and synagogues and temples where it's just like, this is what we do. This is our tradition. This is how it is. This is how it's always done. And more into this multi-denominational, multi-ethnic, multi-experience um, sort of communities where everyone's voice gets to be heard and everyone's religious background or or you know experience uh, what they what they see as sacred is 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 seen as valuable and valid and um, appreciated and loved just as much as as someone else's and you know how can we how can we help people maintain their, um, you know, their, their lineages and their, their ways, you know, the, their ways of, of doing things and, and their stories and their traditions and their, their cultural aspects. And then also sort of we're kind of molding it all together and, and putting it in the soup and spinning it around and, and everybody's kind of taking from things and sort of, you know, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, you're appropriating and, and that's okay. But, you know, how do we, how do we walk that line with each other where we're, we're developing communities that are extremely um, integrative and accepting and celebratory where people feel comfortable enough to start to maybe step out of these, um, you know, sort of this is where I belong and this is the only place I belong. And just as a as a question yeah. on you know how do we like how do we do that where do we where do we start with that and how do we um, you know how do we how do we really bring that inclusiveness to the front because a lot of times when we see we'll see like you know, pictures of festivals and it'll be very like, oh, that's kind of really culturally appropriating and not very nice, you know, images when we're, when we see them in mass media, um, we actually don't look very culturally accepting and we don't look like we're really mm -hmm. respectful sometimes when we see these images that the media is putting out that seem to be more about like divisiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, you know, it's, it's the difference between being respectful of others and being radically inclusive. And I don't exactly know um, how to, 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 you know, I'm studying to become an interfaith chaplain. And so I get to study all these different religions. And one of the things that we talk about is like interfaith and intrafaith, you know, and better or right and like we are all equally valid in our in our beliefs in our practices so I, I do think that is a challenge I, I don't exactly know 
I think it's very hard for us to see the divine in other people. It's like the challenge being a human is to and to see that in everyone else. I mean, that's that's it. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, a lecture I attended. Ago, that I feel like I referenced from uh, this lecture was on the many faces of the sacred, among other things. And this scholar, this you know, very obviously super educated guy, uh, very well studied, and initiate of a few different traditions. He was talking about how come from at least a, um, you know, growing up where we, you know, the whole country celebrates Christmas, right? And, and Easter and that, you know, there is that monotheistic thread running through American culture. And whenever the way that you relate to the sacred is the way that you relate to other people. So when we relate to the sacred as one face, mm -hmm. God, old white dude with a beard, Mm -hmm. It becomes that much more challenging for us to relate to others who have different faces of the sacred, mm -hmm. as opposed to looking at any of the polytheistic traditions where there are, um, you know, many gods, many deities, many forms of the divine that are all equally as sacred and entirely different. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. So in those traditions, you can look at someone who is very different from you and say, oh, you're, you're just a child of a different deity. That's okay that we're not the same. You know, I, I'm in Hawk tribe, right? And yet, okay, someone else is in Salmon clan and they're still totally, you know, a, a child of this divinity, mm -hmm. not my same divinity, but still just as sacred. And that's where I feel as though there's a lot of this vocabulary that is being developed where um, some, someone who is stepping into this world coming from, you know, perhaps a little more rigid, a little more academic, a little more scientific, a little more monotheistic. Part of the real, the great important importance is developing the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. How do I relate to these people? It's like, you know, I think a, you mentioned at one point, you know, the language, like the different language. It is a language it's a different vocabulary of relating to community oh, yes I am part of this or I don't even understand what anyone's saying mm -hmm. yeah I think that we you know I, I think the root of it is that we feel separate from our own holiness our own spirit our own mm -hmm. sacred source I think that is ultimately the place where it has to start. And I, I think that's what yeah. you're saying. There. And actually, that's um, what I'm giving my talk about at Embrace Festival. So I am speaking at Embrace Festival. Yay. And uh, I'm, I'll be speaking about universal shamanism as a vehicle for sacred community and social evolution. And sharing a little bit about my own person, my right relationship with my divinity and with the earth consciousness. Beautiful. Hey. <laughs> Very excited to have you there. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think also I'm kind of curious to hear both of your thoughts on the overall trajectory of sacred community. You know, we've kind of referenced in a couple of different points, like, okay, we used to have, you know, how did we start and where are we now and what happened in between? And then what's the next step? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, that's a really, that's a really tough question. I don't even know. How can we know? <laughs> right. Well, I guess, um, let me, let me speak to that a little bit rather than just throwing the question out there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to our viewers, we've referenced a few different manifestations of what did community used to look like? Mm -hmm. You know, we had our tribal, village oriented community where your community were the people you lived with and saw every day, right? You could not avoid them, right? So there's that manifestation of community. And we've gone through, okay, then your community is your, your church, purely by virtue of the fact that I think for a long time, churches were the only places big enough to hold everybody, yeah. right? So, it, so in a town, whenever you wanted to have a meeting, you would go meet in the church. Mm -hmm. By virtue, that became, regardless of whether or not you were participating fully and authentically in the religious component, that's where you had your community. Yeah. 
now that we're moving into a more global, multi-dimensional, interconnected age, we're trying to figure out the balance of, okay, well, how do I have that same closeness without necessarily the geographic factor? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that a lot of us have like a resistance to technology and Facebook and all these ways in which we're like constantly in this web. But if you think about it, it's, it's almost like telepathic communication, you know, across lands across. So in a way it is an evolution it is a natural evolution of where we're at. And so we can be in community. The three of us can be sitting here right now in community discussing really meaningful, important things to ourselves, getting closer, being seen, being held. Um, and so I don't necessarily think it needs to be geolocated anymore, but I do think that it's important. One of the reasons why we decided to do this festival is because of how many people wrote us and said, all these great resources, all these great articles and authors and things and discussions and question and answers are great, but we want the human contact, you know, and, 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 and yeah, so real human contact is important. And I think there are going to be elements of, of sacred community that have been affected, honestly, by transformational festivals. I think sacred economy is in our future. Um, sustainability is in our future. Um, De-commodification is hopefully in our future. Um, gifting and the sharing economy of um, well, I have this beautiful necklace I made for you. Well, I can give you a massage. You know, I mean, I don't, I know my 13 year old daughter and I were cuddling in bed, you know, at her bedtime last night. And she said to me, she said, I had this total panic moment the other night. And she said, I, I realized that I, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going into eighth grade soon and, and then it'll be a summer and then school and summer and school, summer and school, summer and school, all the way in through college. And then as soon as I'm out of college, I have to hurry and try to get a job so I can make money so I can work for the next 40 <laughs> or some years so that I can maybe be Papa's age. He's still working. He's 76. And then what? Get 10, 20 years to not do, you know, to, to, to have fun and relax. And then I died. She's like, and since I've always believed in reincarnation, I'll just be born right back into it again. I'll get this break where I'm a baby, but I can't really do much. So kind of frustrating. And as soon as I can do stuff, I'm back in school again. Oh my like, God. What the heck? I'm like, I know. I'm like, well, you know what that's called? I'm like, you know, that's, that's samsara. That's this endless cycle of life and birth, the endless cycle of suffering. I mean, life is, mm -hmm. is not easy. You know, life is, you know, inherently full of suffering. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why you're here specifically. And ideally, hopefully, I believe deeply that we are evolving out of that. I mean, I think this last couple of years have seen great awakening and people are starting to experience the boundarylessness. Partly because WhatsApp and, you know, um, and, and people are, 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 you know, coming into age where they don't see racial barriers or sexual orientation barriers they're just another person in my class like you know and obviously we have a lot of growing to do there but sacred economy is an, a now a known term and that that is the future I believe things like that elements of, of, of um, you know where we have the sacred infused into everything where you can stop and create a nature altar you know in the park um, you know things like that I feel like are the future that we're moving toward and it feels really like, you know, slow to us. But if we step back and look, it's like we've done great growth in the last 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely for sure. It's, you know, with, with social media and with the internet, we have, we have gotten to where we can take people who are just one individual someplace and they can now have these sacred communities or maybe they don't have something happening in their town, but they can tune into something that's really profound for them. And, you know, even just like, like uh, those of us who, you know, we're leading these group programs or, or, you know, doing this show or whatever it is. It's like, 
okay, I gather my people and we're gathered on the internet and we're all tuning in and doing these meditations or whatever it is at the same time. And, you know, that, that field that we're creating with each other as we're starting to tune in with each mm -hmm. other and do these like mass meditations and mass yoga events and mass like prayer events that are happening because we have access to the internet. Um, you know, we have this, this greater field that we're creating and awarenesses that are reaching out to people who maybe would never have, have had access to this before. You know, when we talk about church, it was like, there was no other choice. Yeah. You were born, you're, you went as a baby to this place and that was it. And you maybe didn't move your entire life and you lived your entire life going to the same church. And that was that end of story. There was no other choice. And now we've entered into this age of this mass choice where now you can be born in Southern California and then be like, you know, you know what, uh, Tibetan Buddhism, that's my thing. <laughs> I can yeah. study with the most learned lamas and I can, I mm. can read the, the sacred texts from these, you know, ancient places where there was no way we would have access to the kind of information that we have in order to evolve ourselves but then also create communities that are based around maybe studying um, some of these things and, and doing these meditation techniques and, and entering into these prayer and ceremonial spaces with each other, whether it's virtually or in person, um, that it's still very powerful. And it, it is still this creation of community which I think is really sustaining a lot of people um, who otherwise would just be like no idea what to do and, and just feeling very lost within this awakening time. I think that the technology is, is uh, evolving with us for the purpose of allowing us to shift our consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being, you know, being, being a part of this nonprofit organization, um, we have, um, they're not members, but they're, they're readers, essentially, from all over the world. And probably the most common thing that I hear via email um, or comments is that I'm all alone here. I'm the only one who thinks these things here. Yeah. And like, you're saving me that this exists, that this platform exists where I can come and find other like-minded people um, that uh, can validate you know, my feelings and beliefs and um, worldviews. So yeah, that is huge. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's one of my priorities in working with my Reiki students, especially where that is a very familiar narrative of, I have no one to talk to. I don't know anybody else who does this. I'm afraid of sharing this with my friend circle. And, uh, and so there's a lot of work that I do and, you know, I could always do more, I'm sure, but a lot to try and facilitate those connections with each other, especially as people are stepping into who am I as a divine being? How is this manifesting for me? And then to be reflected and supported in each other. So this, this is all really amazing work that everybody is doing. And, you know, there's that every time we have these conversations, I get this anxiety of like, I need to do more. And, <laughs> right. And we're doing so much. And that's the best that we can possibly do is to keep every day making those connections, creating the invitations and, I have, I feel called to share a little bit about, um, about my understanding of sacred community, my journey of sacred community. I was one of those people who felt like a weirdo and I, uh, and I was, oh, she's a Reiki master as well. She was not while I was growing up. She and I came into it that around a similar time, but she, thank goodness she never medicated me or said, oh, stop making up things about the, what the animals are saying. Right. She was like, oh, what else are the animals saying? Yeah. So it was a, a, a comfortable home environment. But when I went off to school, I, I'm a biologist by my training. I have my degree, my bachelor's science degree. I did my research in biology. 
I was entrenched in. And I love that. I love science. I love the thinking about the data and I've, I love spreadsheets. I love graphs and everything about it. And yet my experience in academia was so isolating and so alienating. Whereas I was sharing these, my experiences of Reiki, because I started studying Reiki while I was still in college, I was sharing my experience with, of Reiki with some of my friends and I was shut down instantly. They didn't have the vocabulary to understand me. They didn't have the ability to hear me. And that was however many years ago. That was, that was more than 10 years ago at this point. And now through the magic of the internet, I'm starting to see some of these people who years ago couldn't hear me or couldn't relate to me being curious and interested in what I'm doing in the world. Mm -hmm. So part of what you were saying, Deshna, at the very beginning is it takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes time. It takes consistency. It it takes reflection. It takes continuing to put ourselves out there. Mm -hmm. Those people who couldn't meet me then are starting to be a little more curious and open now and supporting the work that I do and saying, Hey, I saw your episode. That's really cool. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I just, you know, something you said before and just now I think is really important to mention. And that is that, um, you know, the vocabulary, I, I, I think that with this dogmatic institutionalized religion that, you know, religious culture that we were sort of brought into without choice, you know, um, it, it created trauma for a lot of people to the, to the point of them going toward the other dogma of anti-religious, of, of secularism, of, you know, highly scientific only. If we can't see it, touch it, feel it, explain it, then it's not real. And, and that it's like that rubber band effect of like, oh, that's too far in that direction. And what I'm seeing now more and more is people coming back toward that middle ground of, you know, being okay with um, even just being comfortable with the word God again. I mean, it was a trigger word for me, you know, for many years. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I, you know, because I felt like I had to always say, but not the white man up in the sky, God, but, you know, this sacred oneness or, you know, sacred source or whatever that is. Um, and so I, I am seeing people more and more becoming more comfortable with the vocabulary of sacred community, of social transformation of a spiritual path, spiritual culture. It's kind of counter culture to what we've been brought into. And that's a really important part of it. Um, So yeah, I think these kinds of gatherings and, you know, festivals and experiences and communities that we're involved in um, slowly open up that, um, that, that vocabulary, that, that space to be comfortable um, in a less extreme you know, I don't know, more, more authentic, um, experience. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of us are really being called, uh, to heal these religious wounds, um, mm-hmm. these disconnections from source that we've received from our childhood and, and the upbringings that we've had and past life experiences and, and these things that we've seen and witnessed, uh, in, in the name of God right? In the name of Jesus, in the name of, of Muhammad, in the name of, you know, all of, all of these things that we've seen that are just like, well, how could that be in alignment? And um, how far we've had to, you know, push that away. Uh, you know, for me, I, um, you know, recently becoming much more involved in um, medicine ceremony work and, uh, and studying um, much more deeply prayers and, and, and invocations and working with the archangelic forces and, um, and the songs. And there's a lot of very God, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, uh, stuff in there. And I've done a lot of work over the years in healing, especially like that Jesus wound was really profound in me. And, um, you know, I realized how much energy it was shutting off to, to be so mad at Jesus. Uh, and then, now again it's this another little layer that i'm peeling into and witnessing the places where i'm like oh it's super uncomfortable and then allowing myself to tune into the truth (laughs) mystery beyond the words and the divinity beyond the structure and um to allow myself permission to play and explore within 
um, these realms where if you had put me in the same experience 10 years ago, I'd have just been so ultimately uncomfortable with with the the words and the vocabulary of God and Jesus and Mary. And I would have just, I wouldn't have known what to do with myself. And I think we're, we're gonna, we're hitting against that for a lot of people as we're allowing each other room to play with what God means to us and, you know, the expression of God and to accept some people, you know, there's, there's a lot of like anti-Christian sort of push, you know, in our conscious communities where it's not acceptable to say God is Jesus is, uh, and you know, it's, there's, like, uh, uh, are we okay? Are we okay? If we start talking about God, we're, ah, uh, um, you know, what does that mean? Uh, so I think that we're definitely um, being pushed into mm-hmm. a really deep healing of religion and God and, and these different deities from, from the different traditions, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the incredible wisdom of thousands of years that these ancient cultures had. I mean, it would be a shame to deny that because the Bible has been taken out of context, because the Bible is misread, because, you know, there's biblical illiteracy, essentially. If you really get down to it and look at the history and the people that wrote the Bible and the long history before that and where those were coming from, there is incredible wealth of, like, wisdom and, you know, teachings that are relevant to today. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's a shame, but I think we are healing in that area. I do. Um, and especially, you know, I had to study Islam for my school and I found that I had a lot of um, misconceived notions and, and prejudices against this religion that um, I didn't even know I had because I'm all inclusive and whatever, <laughs> um, but I was really resisting it. And once I got into the mystical aspect of it, um, you know, it was, it was that universal truth strand. It was that, 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 you know, thread that goes through that these people had transformative experiences and saw God in everything, you know, saw, um, uh, the sacred in, in that little, you know, weed growing through the cracks and needed, you know, were, were compelled to share it. Um, they weren't trying to start a religion, you know, they were trying to help people step out of their, of their ego, of their suffering, of their delusion to wake up people. I mean, Buddha just is awake, awakened one, you know? And I don't think Jesus was like, let's start a religion, you guys. (laughs) He was a Jewish rabbi. He wasn't trying to start a new religion at all, but he was trying to reform, you know, some of the, uh, the, the laws and cultures of, you know, Judaism as, as it was at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. we're right at one o'clock and I know we could talk about this forever, yeah. but let's leave people with a couple of takeaways about how can we support ourselves and support each other in continuing to build our sacred community. We didn't even get to the social evolution part. In, well, we did, kind of, but we didn't use the words. Yeah. Um, but how can we continue to support each other? What are, you know, one or two of your best recommendations for what we can do? Me? (laughs) Anybody, both of you. And I'll come up with my own too. I asked that question. I got to come up with it. I was going to just say that social transformation, social evolution is an inherent part of sacred community, period. If you're, you know, if you're not focusing on some shared value that is working toward improving yourself, healing yourself, your local community and the world, you know, wide, um, then, then, then something's missing in, in your community experience. Um, I would just say that um, to not be afraid to initiate community, um, that it's hard work, but that we are desperate for leaders in this, you know, in this realm, um, and that we all have something to offer there, all of us, every single one of us. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to stand up and talk spiritual talk by any means, but it can mean that you gather people together that are, that are um, um, caring and passionate about something that they share 
and and just try to grow just try to to, to move toward growth to step into growth mm-hmm. um so you know i just i mean a quick little plug for embrace is you know this little in-city festival that we're having here in portland um you know the first weekend in may and what i really wanted to do there was um kind of like it's almost like a uh, a taster you know of these different aspects of sacred community and social transformation it's by no means like the perfect bubble of either of those two things but it's some really important aspects of it nonviolent communication sustainability um conscious aging health equity um healing ourselves mm-hmm. um healing our wounds with christianity um so there's you know a lot of important aspects as i see in sacred community and social transformation there the participants can come on while, while we're on the subject where's the website that people can go to buy their tickets yeah so embracefestival.com mm-hmm. and i just wanted to offer everyone watching today a really you know a special discount code so it's inner divine one word and that's 25% off um, so we really want this to be accessible to everybody and that also means that if it isn't accessible to you financially to reach out to us and we'll find a way to get you there for sure um, and so yeah i just think stepping into your courage a little bit stepping into these new experiences um, trying them out with an open mind and an open heart asking a friend that's been about what kind of transformative experiences they've had at gatherings like this because inevitably they've had one where they had their heart blown open, you know, or they have like a spiritual evolution step in their life as they see it. Um, yeah. So come to this one, come to future ones. Um, and, and be brave. We all need to be brave right now. We need to be our, our warrior selves. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Deshna. And again, that was embracefestival.com with the special discount code inner divine, all one word. Is that uppercase, lowercase? Doesn't matter. I don't know if it matters. Do uppercase in case it doesn't. Uppercase. Inner inner Divine for a 25% discount code to our viewers who are watching us and joining us here today. Thank you so much, Dajna. It was such a wonderful honor to have you on our call today. And uh, and as always, a pleasure to our viewers for, you know, thank you for joining us. In the interest of continuing to build and facilitate our sacred community, you are absolutely welcome to reach out to us through our email address, shamansisterssessions at gmail.com. You can also check out our Facebook page for the latest updates and hear what we'll be speaking about next. Mm-hmm. Thank you both to you. Thank you. Lovely to be with you. Thank you. Mwah. Mwah. Mm-hmm.